This is a Strategist, episode 1096. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. Guys, it has been too long. It has been way too long. By which it's I mean, the I've original seen, trio. Oh, I mean, I saw, I saw Carter like yeah, what, I was four just hours say ago. Well, we actually did just saw each other. Like, wasn't this last weekend? Zane's kid yeah. likes me more than he likes Zane. This is, this is <laughs> yeah, this is true. entirely true. maybe. Like, he just he thinks I'm hilarious. Uh you know, I put. Yeah, I have you to say, do. Carter, Carter, you do have a demographic you appeal to. Steve. Carter does have some good dad moves. Yeah, I have I to say. He's got the, uh, he's got the, oh, is the bag falling on the ground? Let me take you down there and lift the bag up. Move. Oh, that was good. He's got the, I can make you laugh for any photo by uh, constantly jiggling you move. Yeah. Um, those are pretty good. Those are pretty solid. No, solid dad. Little yeah. staples in the dad and, game. and you know what? Pretty good of yeah. me to teach you, right? Like I could have hoarded them all for myself, but I was like, here, watch, watch and learn, Velgy. Watch and learn. Boop, gave them all to you. Sufian was concerned that uh, that he has more hair than Carter. Yeah, that was that a was, topic of observation. By he the way, kept, he kept reaching yeah. for my forehead, and I'm like, "That's a lot of terrain to reach for." Like, yeah. slow down there, big fella. Yeah, like where yeah. are you going there? That's like trying to conquer all of Asia. You yeah, got to be exactly. careful. You can't get that in the game. Uh, but risk. Carter did come over. Uh, uh, came with gifts, uh, and of course, um, the rule applies. Uh, just reminding everyone uh, now that we're not on the Patreon uh, anymore, and this is the vast audience. Uh, I will dox myself for gifts. Oh yeah! <laughs> so uh, please, <laughs> I'm happy to uh, individually give you my 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 home address, my social insurance, whatever it takes uh, for a fifteen to fifty dollar gift. That's the that's the price range I operate now. That's Carter, because he's a high roller, he comes in with some say, legit gifts. Fifty to fifty. Okay, five. Some like, legit come gifts. on now. I, I went way over no. that. No, you know, I was he went way trying over. to win a uh, trying to win yeah. best what best white uncle, and I think I got it. I think I'm there. Yeah. You're second place. uncle. Uh, Corey's done the best white uncle uh, by not showing up at all, and I think that is the sweet spot. I think that I is mean, yeah, that I is that is the white uncle energy I was looking for. You are acting more brown <laughs> uncle who happens to be white. You see I what see I mean? where you're going. Yeah, I see the <laughs> there is a real there. logic. Yeah. yeah, okay, right. You're 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 there too much, right? Yeah. Whereas Corey minimal minimal footprint uh, which is very white uncle of him and puts him first appropriate in the race. Wonkle energy yeah, yeah. <laughs> appropriate wonkle energy is right Corey, uh, do you have anything going on in in, in your life um oh absolutely not no okay. because yeah. you guys are talking about you know having two people deal with one kid and i've got i've got three kids so is that how many it always I, felt like more ever you know like there was a lot more yeah it's always felt like 40 you know i actually got down to counting them today. I had a little bit of time with them. And it turns out it wasn't in the four to six range. Eh? Well, you know, it was like the one too many counting. And I thought, well, what is many? Let's unpack that a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, I see where you're going. Turns Carter, out it's three. Uh, Carter, uh, you missed an excellent episode. In fact, we were thinking about ending the pod after that last Patreon uh, that you weren't on. Uh, I feel I like I feel like yeah, it, so was, it was a I listened. Run. That was a sneaky good episode after the good. 18 minute mark. I, I got to tell you, like you really had to earn the episode, you know, that's, the, that's the first 18 that. minutes we subjected Guys. you to. But then we got to what I think was legitimately excellent content by you and Annalise. Let me tell you. By something. the way, I was the host last yeah. episode. And it did Steven, not You go would know well. that if Zane, you didn't listen. Zane, uh, Corey yeah. was like, you should try being the host, Carter. And I'm like, no, no, I don't care enough. I don't care. You no, know, I mean, we're fucking doing this musical chairs that you guys have uh, imposed on the pod. Oh, so we imposed well. it. Let we anyone impose host it. it. You imposed it by between, not being available. Between if, that, like, let's here's, be clear. Uh, between, if you provide a gift to this podcast between $50 and $50, you can host, okay? I'm just letting the floodgates open oh, on anything these days, Carter. It does not matter. Uh, Carter, we are looking forward to when you host. Uh, but for now... Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, Green Belt, Red Light, Stephen Carter, the housing minister. Well, the former yeah. housing minister, Steve Clark, has resigned in the wake of the Green Belt controversy in Ontario. We can get into all the details of his resignation. It came today, today, Labor Day Monday, uh, earlier in the morning as a result of a, of a letter saying that he's become a distraction. You know, that mm -hmm. general um, stuff we see, that very rote stuff that we see in some of these resignation letters. Um, quote, although my initial thought was that I could stay in this role and establish a proper process so that these mistakes don't happen again, I realized that my presence will only cause further distraction from the important work, blah, blah, blah. We've seen it. We've read it a million times if it's not been I've, seen or read this particular I think I've time. Those. Yeah. We can do one of two yeah. things. 
Exactly. I'm sure we can. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure you have, Carter. Here's here's two things on the table. I, wanna, I want you guys to choose. Do you want to talk about the Doug Ford green belt controversy as it stands right now? The moves that need to be made, the follow-ups that need to happen. Doug Ford shuffled, I put shuffled in quotes, his cabinet today. We can talk about that. The second thing we can talk about is do resignations actually help? And I want to go into a deep dive on that a bit. Do they add more fuel to the fire or do they actually calm the waters? Uh, we've talked in the past about resignations. We, yeah, in this case, have a chief of staff that's resigned, now a minister that's resigned. It's happened in sequential order, not, not, not necessarily um, altogether. But do resignations like this help? What are the conditions of when a resignation will help? What are the conditions when a resignation actually hurts and opens a floodgates and admissions it admits a soft spot rather than a finality uh, or a conclusion. So we have we have a choice, Carter. I want to get your vote, Corey. I want to get your vote. We can go either of the two directions. I'm going to let you. Oh, I think that we have to talk about the resignations question. I mean, we can certainly go back and talk about uh, uh, you know what's going on in the green belt. But we we you and I discussed that, Zane. I think you were a strategist that day uh, when I pointed out that this is going to haunt Doug Ford and you were, you were of course wrong as you always are. Uh, and you were all like, no, this is going to blow over. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you taking, are you taking a victory lap right now? How many years before an election? Listen, I put my takes out there and they'll get validated oh by my the people. God. Okay, okay that's Carter. Fine. We've we've just Listen, you may not you may not be around for when the next election was Ontario that a threat, sir? That was that you a need threat? to take a victory. <laughs> I understand why you're like visiting friends and their kids and like doing these final things yeah. to kind of really, you know, keep your affairs in order, taking victory laps needlessly yeah. on the podcast. So I'll give it to you, but what I will say is that you're also wrong. Yeah. Well, like not not actually canonical. It was an episode I wasn't on, so it doesn't really matter. You guys are like arguing about which character in a fan fiction did the best thing. You know, it doesn't oh matter. We'll see. We can talk about it now and we can make predictions that are actually relevant if you want, Stephen. But actually, my vote is also probably to talk about the resignation question. I mean, there's some big questions, but I feel like because you're so wrong, Zane, we'll be able to talk about the the land swap and the Greenbelt Challenge in general for many, many months. This is going to go on for so long. Uh, it, it will certainly be an issue we can return to. So we should talk about the resignation one. That seems a little more topical. Oh, okay. I see what he's trying to do. Um, he's also a very bad host, Carter. I don't know if you heard I did that hear last it. episode. <laughs> Not very good. He's got a sweet spot and it's being a prick. And he should stick to that. This is what he should this is stick what to he that cast. sweet spot. Like this, you know, this just this this podcast didn't happen, right? Like this was there was casting involved. We thought, you know, we need another prick. We can't just have one prick. We need two, and we brought in Corey. We need yeah. two pricks. We need two slightly different pricks. Yeah, which was the original name of the podcast yeah. uh, when we started. Hey, okay, Carter. Then talk to me about this. Let's talk about resignations. And, and and to get on this topic, we have to talk about the Steve Clark one, right? You have your your sort of natural components of it. Your uh, when I say natural components, they've almost become natural order in the political world, right? I've become a distraction, all those sort of things. But let's start with when the, the ground rules, Carter. In your mind, when does a resignation um, work to end a story, to begin the final chapter, the denouement, as they taught us in grade school here in the Alberta curriculum? When does it, when does it start becoming the beginning of the end versus another chapter or allowing the floodgates to open. Start giving me a few conditions, and Corey, I wanted you to build on. Well, that I think more. it's really interesting that you put it in as kind of the de- denouement. It's not the denouement. It should be the conclusion. What you're trying to actually do is is reveal the murderer, right? And there's two classic mistakes that I think are made by politicians when they're when they're taking this story arc, right? The first mistake that people make is they do it too early. Right. So immediately after something happens, all of a sudden you've got the resignation of the minister or you've got the resignation of the chief of staff, whatever staffer is going to go. And that is too early because you haven't allowed the the mystery to unfold in such a way that you can actually name the killer and actually have it stick. Uh, so that's the first mistake. The first mistake is mm. doing it too quick. And then, of course, in parallel, the second mistake is doing it too late. And I would argue that the Steve Clark resignation. It's too late. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the chief of staff, which was just going to bother me, but the chief of staff's resignation was also too late. Um, you know, it, it had established and, um, 
if it had gone earlier, if the chief of staff had been pushed out much earlier, I think that there might have been a case that this was uh, malfeasance at that particular level. But it just looked like they were looking for a scapegoat and they found one in him. And then now it's cost the minister his job, but it's it's way too late. Uh, the story's unfolding, and frankly, the public have cast their villain. Their villain is is the uh, is the premier himself, uh, not any of those around him. It's it's this malfeasance that exists at the at the premier's office that is now the the focal point of the attention uh, from those of us devouring this murder mystery. Okay, I'm going to come back to this, but Carter, you've put timing on the mm-hmm. table, either too early or too late. Corey, what do you want to give us? What are the conditions that help make this successful or help yeah. make a resignation successful? I, I half agree with what Stephen said, and it, it goes to what I want to say is, is probably the more important determinant here. If you're looking to throw somebody under the bus, right, if, if you're trying to make somebody the fall guy, what's really important is that it can end there, right? Like it, it helps when you can, you asked if can resignations help or hurt, right? Like, mm-hmm, like what's mm-hmm. the thing here? Well, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps. And sometimes it just puts blood in the water. And when it puts blood in the water, usually what's occurred here is you have then uh, seen somebody resign or you have fired somebody or somebody has lost their job in some way, shape or form for something that you are clearly guilty of as well. And I think that's the situation where it hurts because then you've essentially created stakes and you've said, this is what's supposed to happen under this set of conditions. So my name is Steve Clark and I did something wrong and I am now resigning now. Would have helped if you could say, well, Steve Clark was the only person who knew Mm. about this. Steve Clark's the only person who took these actions. And so Steve Clark will take the fall. It hurts when Steve is now resigning for the very things that the premier has done and the premier's office has been accused of, right? That would be being asleep at the switch, not necessarily watching oversight of these, uh, you know, the departmental things and intervening and having staff intervene uh, as we are starting to see unfold in the story here. So I think that's, that's really the determinant for me. Now, where timing is super important is it's not necessarily clear what kind of story you're working with right away. And so if you imagine on day one, these resignations occurred, let's say Steve Clark and Ryan Amato, who's the chief of staff, let's say that they had both resigned on day one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that might have looked okay until the other shoe dropped. And then all of a sudden the premier's office is in the, in, in the mix too. And there is, you know, back and forth. And it looks like, you know, the, uh, you know, the ethics commissioner's report comes out that says uh, the premier's office intervened or, or made comment on these things, whatever the language was there. So uh, you don't want to have those resignations until you have kind of a lay of the land. Um, and then you can determine what the best course of action is going forward. I think it's pretty clear that, at least in the first kick, they said, oh, we can't have him resign because of the things I said, because the premier's office could be accused of the same things. But the heat just got too hot. Challenge is, it doesn't necessarily go away simply because you've thrown somebody mm-hmm. to the wolves here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, now you've said, this is the punishment. This is the consequence of these actions. Carter, you put timing on the table. Corey, you've put fall guy versus isolated incident. I'm going to kind of classify it as that, right? Are you a scapegoat for something that was more systemic, more well, broadly it, known? I, or, I would or say done? more like, are other people guilty of the same thing? And I'm using small g yeah. guilty here. That's better. Let's use that as the second one. Carter, let's stick to timing. And then I want to get it. I'll, I'll come in and out of this list. How do you nail timing? Corey's given us a bit of uh, a, a scenario where if they did day one, what would happen when when the other shoe were to drop? In your strategist experience, how do you nail the timing on something like well, this? Well, I think it, it also depends on another factor, and that is, are you actually getting rid of the right guilty party? Um, timing is less important uh, than, you know, so getting rid of the right person is is kind of also a part of this, uh, this model. Um, t- you know, so if you're going to release somebody, if you're going to to force someone to walk the plank because you you know because of malfeasance, then you have to actually be fingering the right person. You have to be pointing the finger at the right person, and I think that that's why one of the reasons that 
this has not become a general practice any longer. People are moving away from this because so much is controlled from the premier's offices that it becomes really difficult to point any fingers at anybody mm. else. Um, because ultimately, what is the, what is the phrase? You know, you point your finger at someone and there's three pointing back at you or something like that. I don't know how many fingers you got there, Corey, three or like, I keep the thumb in the air. So it's, it's, it's three pointing back at me. Um, so Carter's finger guns all finger the time. Guns, baby. Carter seems like a finger um, gun type. Of but I think that this is where, you know, th- this, pra- and let's be honest, this practice has really gone out of favor, right? Like there are far fewer ministerial resignations than there used to be. There used to be this thing called minister- oh, ministerial man. responsibility, where the minister would resign if something bad happened on their watch. Well, it's a hell of a lot harder to get a minister to resign when something bad happens on their watch, when the watch is actually being directed by it. the, you know, by the, by the premier's yeah. office. I mean, how happy are you going to be? And this is another factor of it, Zane. How happy are you going to be to, to walk the plank, to, to be asked to leave the ship? If it was actually the premier's office that told you when to get on the ship, what to say when they got on the ship, all the different words, right? Like, and I think that that's one of the the things that that may be haunting Ford is that there's probably some evidence that this was, you know, like even the circumstantial evidence that most of you know many of the people who were involved in this greenbelt thing were invited to his daughter's wedding, right? That mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's related. Of course, I'm not investigating this, but it's circumstantial and it looks it looks bad. And that looking bad might be all that's required. So that's why I'm. So I think that if we combine what Corey was saying with what I'm saying, you know, you've got to be making sure that that person. If you want this to end when you when you push the person out the door, it's got to be the right person. Mm-hmm. And then that timing is about aha. We have discovered the evidence. I just finished a great murder mystery. Uh, All My Family Have Killed Somebody. It's an Australian book. Really great mystery. Just finished it tonight. Everybody should read it. But the, the, you know, it talks about the premises of a murder mystery. And the premises of the murder mystery are you don't reveal the killer until all the evidence has been presented. And the same thing with this, right? You must find out what actually happened because you must reveal the person who made the mistake. And if you're in the premier's office, you got to find a plausible victim. Uh, And I think that that's where Ford has really failed right now. It's really hard to point to Steve Clark and uh, was it a motto? Corey, I, I, yeah, uh, you you said the name Um, and say, these were the, these two were the killers and they acted alone. These are the, the Lee Harvey Oswald of the green belt. Um, no one's buying that right now because uh, the evidence hasn't been presented. I'm, I'm not going to pick up on that last. I, I no, so okay. desperately want Corey, to. Well, so Corey, jump in on this. I, I've got three things on the board. I've got timing. Are other people guilty of the same quote unquote issue or thing? And are you getting rid of the right guilty party? What do you want to jump in on here? Yeah, I want to add a fourth, and it's a really important one for the context of this particular issue. And it's part of why I think Doug Ford has a very serious challenge in front of him. If it's not existential, it's going to be very close. Uh, And that is the question of, in the public's eye, does the punishment fit the crime? And it's really important. So if if you have a situation where, for example, uh, somebody buys $30 orange juice and people think that's really poor judgment, then, you know, the punishment of the crime would be that person leaving the job or taking a reprimand, depending. I mean, obviously, resigning over orange juice would be insane. (laughs) But I guess my point would be small, (laughs) small crime, small punishment, right? Right? This is $8 billion of land value increases that went to just a few people based on the actions of a few people without following process. $8 $8 billion with a B. That's $8,000 million. That is a lot of money. That is deeply consequential. And I think for a lot of Ontarians, I think for a lot of people following this story, they're going to say, you know what? The punishment does not yet fit the crime. A, this is they still have the land. This is not resolved. And B, um, 
if that's what it is, like a, a ministerial resignation is worth a lot less than $8 billion. I'm, I'm sorry. That's the simple math of it. That's the calculus. And so that would be another thing I think you need to consider when you ask yourself, will the resignation actually help? Carter, can I pick up on a point you've made around the guilty yeah. party? And if, if, the, if the right person is getting rid of you 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 mentioned it's no longer just about like and this kind of goes to Corey's point around like the value of a resignation where he talks about it from a monetary mm-hmm. perspective as related to this particular issue in certain cases would you say that members of a premier's office are worth more if we're now talking about monetary value of resignations than a minister like are we in that era where if since everything is pmo or premier office centric that that staffers are now in this weird position that they could be worth more. And I'm almost kind of trying to tie a dotted line towards Jerry Butts' resignation we saw a few years yeah. ago, where he, like a notable all-star like public figure who was not a minister was used as, as the only person let go from, from a, a scandal-worthy situation. So talk to me about the current sort of new rules of value if we want to talk about the book value of folks in different offices, staffers versus ministers, premier's offices, et cetera. Like, start building that out yeah. for me a bit. I'm kind of curious to Yeah, hear I mean, thoughts. I think that, you know, Gary Butts is a great example. I think that the other one, um, uh, Stephen Harper's principal secretary, wasn't it, who paid off Duffy's expense, uh, expense claim? I can't remember his name now. Uh, this is so many years ago. Corey will Google it while I'm talking. Oh, yeah. Um, but the... Was that banker guy, the Goldman yeah, guy? Goldman what Sachs guy, yeah, yeah. more money than brains. Um, but the 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 what what happens? Sometimes it's enough. I I guess Zane. I mean, I'm not mm. I'm not prepared to put a value on it and say, you know, a chief of staff is worth two ministers in the field. Well, uh, I'm just not no, prepared to do that. Well, I guess I'm the reason I'm asked. The reason I'm asking you that to interrupt you is if you're saying that our, our politics have changed over the last two decades to be so centralized, yeah. then like, are these ministers worth really, you know, anything as compared to staffers in that centralized office? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's two questions there. One is like the value to the organization and the running of it and Absolutely. how consequential it will be I'm to talking, the government. Yeah. And then the other is to the public. It's to and your question the, about the, the yeah, punishment well, and crime. Well, so Jerry Butts was a public figure, effectively, in the PMO, mm-hmm. you know, a well-known personality, somebody who uh, had a public persona and public profile prior to working for Prime Minister Trudeau because of his work with the Ontario Liberal Party, because of his work, you know, in the nonprofit sector. And so that, that was one thing, right? Now, if you had a more anonymous chief of staff or a more anonymous principal secretary, that might not have the same cachet with the public as a minister who's perhaps a prominent minister. The reality is there are ministers who are notorious and notable, and there are staff that are notorious and notable. And years ago, it was far more likely mm-hmm. it was going to be a minister who was notable. That's changed a little bit as the media has gone deep into process stories, as people like Stephen Carter, frankly, yep. have become uh, you know personalities in their own right when they've held these roles and, and been part of the public conversation. Uh, but, you know, it hasn't 100% flipped. So it, it is very, very context dependent. It depends on the staff. It depends on the ministers. It depends on, uh, you know, the, the leader. And, um, you know, it all plays into kind of a bigger story. But it, it is very context dependent. Carter, I want to come to you in a Wright, second. But, but Corey. Nigel Wright. It was, yeah. $90,000 personal check to have friends like that. Eh? I assume you'll do that for yeah, me someday. No, it's, um, That'll be great. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to um, <laughs> Nigel, if you want to come and give some gifts to my son, yeah. um, I'll please let me know. I will happily <laughs> tell you uh, my address. In fact, I should probably just do it in case. Yeah, just in case. I yeah, probably, yeah be, probably. I think that probably, probably be the strategic. Smart. This is the strategist. That would be the strategic thing to do, Corey. I, hey, Corey, back to you on this then. Let me open up a bracket for a second around chiefs of staff and uh, 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 sort of uh, staffers and their notoriety. The, the sure. old school way of thinking was these people should be silent. They should be in the background. They shouldn't make noise. Based on what we're just talking about, aren't they a helpful try? And we talked about this on a previous episode. I think, I don't know whether you were on that one or Carter and I were, but I'm curious to get your take, Corey. Isn't it then helpful? 
like just based on the property that you've you've described to have chiefs of staff and political staffers that are notable so they can be a trading chip they can be a someone who falls on their sword that they all be in the model of a Stephen Carter so that if you if a minister isn't enough a minister plus a Jerry Butts or a minister plus a noteworthy chief of staff actually give you some good book value to the public you think this is like a trade yeah, chip? I'm not sure. Um, it's kind like of. That's yeah. what I called it last time. Stephen, you were ballast. Yeah. No, I mean, like, honestly, I, it's a double-edged sword. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Stephen would say it's a double-edged sword, too. I, I, I suspect that you could do different calculations in different contexts and decide it's worth it or not. But sometimes it's valuable. Uh, sometimes it's a liability. Sometimes it's a risk. Sometimes you're creating additional targets for yourself. And one of the things you have to keep in mind is when you've got a staff member who is a, a public personality and a persona, you've created another target adjacent to the leader. Mm-hmm. And that can have some downside, too, because we've talked about this in a lot of other contexts. But when you go after the chief of staff, that's a great proxy way to go after the principal, whether that be a prime minister, a premier, a mayor, you name it. You take down their chief of staff first, and that's a way that you weaken them without you know weakening them and that's a lot harder to do if that person's not a public person but it's it's and, not you know what Corey, you were not hey, episode, but we were talking about rob anderson's profile and this we were getting into this conversation carter i want your take on this yeah, of course so it's it's not just because they're high profile i mean ron glenn was ed stelmack's chief of staff you wouldn't have been able to pick him out uh, from a lineup but the very first thing that the the, the quote-unquote yeah. rebels in the caucus went after was ron glenn because when you get the staffer you know, so Corey was talking a moment ago about the the perceived power. The the how much does it hurt your office to have lost a minister? How much does it hurt your office to have lost your key staffer? And there are key staffers. Um, losing some key staffers is far worse than losing any. You know, than than losing um, a, a mm-hmm, minister. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of, of someone that that kind of pops into my mind that that is that is uh, absolutely integral to the, to the functioning of an office um, besides myself, of course. Uh, but you know, there's <laughs> the, most political off. Do you think Jerry, do you think Jerry's a good example? Like in the last I half decade, can, do you think, think Jerry that, provides a good example? I think that Katie is so strong. It's hard to separate Katie's strength. So Katie Telford, chief of staff to, uh, uh, to Prime Minister Trudeau, I, you know, I think we've sung her praises on on the the this particular show a million times. I think that she still doesn't surround herself with the right people on comms, but she's super strong in what she does. Um, but I think that, you know, like if you were if you were if you weren't to Trudeau, and right now it's, and I think that we've seen this unfold in a couple of different spots when when they were targeting Katie Telford in in the last inquiry where she was testifying, and Corey, I'm sure you'll remember the details better than I will, but they came after Katie. They put her up in front of the committee, and mm-hmm. they were going for her because to yeah, lose Katie Telford uh, would have um, damaged the prime minister tremendously. Um, I, I remember how I've had this conversation with with people I've worked with, they won't come after, you know, Joe Tigondek first. They're going to come after me first. They're not going to go after Alison Redford first. Mm. They're going to come after me first. And they're not going to go after Danielle Smith first. They're going to go after Marshall Smith first. You know, we'll, we'll start seeing negative stuff coming out of that office. I'm betting probably w- within a few weeks um, of the session starting, you know, oh, so-and-so is so controlling. So-and-so doesn't make this work. So, yeah, there's always these interpersonal things and going after and getting a staffer who is the right hand or a left hand person, like the, one of the top two or three people of the of the office can debilitate that office. There's no question. Um, and there's and, and but losing a minister could also debilitate the office, depending on who the minister is. Mm. So I don't I don't think that we can make this straight up you know, uh, trade for trade kind of situation. I think that everything is dependent on who you're targeting and Steve Amato and Steve Clark don't equal Doug Ford or Doug Ford's office at this particular moment. Corey, jump in. I've got a follow-up for you to, to end this bracket that I've opened on, on chiefs of staff. Yeah. I want to say Stephen said, Hey, you don't need to be a public personality to be a potential target. And I think that is sort of true. 
if you're not a public personality, you're probably not going to be a valuable external target, like mm-hmm. to the opposition, to uh, to groups who are trying to destabilize you from the outside, whether they be the media who, you know, really are mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. out to get you is not the words I'm looking for. But, you know, it, it's not going to have that kind of cachet. The chief of staff to a leader will always be a target internally to caucus dissidents, right? And it's because it's the safe way to give your grievances about the the leader themselves, right? Sure. You say, oh, you know, I, I'm not getting what I want. And to say that about the leader is seen as disloyal. To say that and then blame the chief of staff is not. And that's a proxy way that you have the same conversation about the leader. And of course, the reason why it hurts so much when you lose a chief of staff in those contexts, you know, and I think this goes to Stephen's point about, hey, they're not going to go for Danielle Smith first. You're going to see them go for Smith and uh, Rob Anderson, right? Is because once those dominoes have fallen, or maybe dominoes not the right, those are the pieces in front of the king. And once those fall, you know, there's nothing protecting. It's a, it's a much clearer shot from that point because you can no longer blame that person as well mm-hmm. if you're the leader. So, you know, I, I just – I think, yes, the chief of staff will always be an internal target. My point would be if you've got a media personality, you become an external target as well. And look, the prime minister's chief of staff in 2023 is always going to have a public persona. That's just the way it is these days. But there are a lot of premiers with chiefs of staff that are a lot more anonymous, frankly, and they're not likely to be big targets to the opposition, uh, simply because it just doesn't have that kind of value to the public. Corey, I'm going to ask you this. From an external-facing perspective, we're playing PS5, NBA 2K24. We're on player creation mode, but you're creating a chief of staff for me. Okay. <laughs> are you picking the lane or more anonymous, or are you picking the Carter lane? I want to just get your, your thoughts on this. Like in a 2023 world of positionless politics, which is a term that I've invented and coined, and a t-shirt will be available about it uh, soon on strategist.ca. Uh, Corey, what does your chief of staff look like? Are they more in the Carter mold, which Carter's like one of the few in this country who's kind of like taken on that more assertive, I'm going to be present, not giving up my Twitter account, but didn't do that, right? Like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a target, but I'm also going to be someone that you know. Or would you go more anonymous? What what lane would you pick if you're starting to like, that's the first choice you got to make at the top yeah. to create your player? What are you doing? Look, I think either can work. My personal preference, my style is, is I think chiefs of staff should be anonymous. I, there are people on the ballot besides the leader. You can find them. You can make them personalities. You can make them voices, whether it be ministers or MLAs or MPPs or MPs. I just don't see a ton of upside because I do worry about that downside risk, right? You're creating a target that you do not control who, uh, you know, is so deeply associated with you and that you alone have to sort of manage uh, if there's a problem, you can't go to anyone else. You can't say, oh, well, Stephen Carter's someone else's problem. Stephen Carter's the leader's problem. And um, that's that's a challenge. Carter, what are you doing? Like, I, I, you can easily say I'm, I'm picking myself, but what do you think? Like, if you were to just construct a chief of staff from the ground up in this in this political world, right? Like, that's the big sort of question, the big anchoring statement. In today's political world, do you feel like your model is is the way to go? I, I, I think it would be much easier, I think, or, or much easier to do what Corey's saying, right? Like Corey's like, oh, take one of your electeds, take, you know, like Matt Wolf was a great kind of proxy for the chief of staff as, as a very prominent issues manager who, who would jump out in front of any gunshot and take the hit, right? Like Matt Wolf was essentially a, a, a bulletproof vest uh, for for the chief of staff and principal secretary to Jason Kenney. Um, the guy just took all the hits for you. It was fantastic. And I think he was re- reasonably talented at it. Um, you know, I didn't know him. I, I, I think we picked on him a, a ton when he was in, in office. But I think that one of the reasons we picked on him is because he was always so visible. Um, I think that that would be great to have someone like that taking the shots for you. But that's not always the call you get to make, right? You, you don't always get what you want. You're there. You, this role, the role of taking that, you know, we had Thomas Lukasik taking uh-huh. some of those hits uh, for Redford, and that was fantastic. I mean, yeah, if you can get that, you should totally get that. But I think you're living in a dream world, and if you think that, you know, today's elected crop has some of the talent that's actually required um, to do 
to sh- take shots and to, deflect to, them to, sort of thing. to play the role. And I'm not going to say that I was perfect at it. Uh, track record would indicate less than, but you know, there's, there's, there's some skill set that's required and I didn't often see it in my electeds. You know, I think though, there's a big difference between Matt Wolf and uh, a chief of staff because Matt Wolf did not report directly to the premier. And so that's the thing that I called out specifically, right? Jamie Huckabee at the time was the chief of staff for most of the time Matt Wolf was issues manager. And that was who was his boss on the org chart. So there is still that kind of buffering. And that was a way I think that they tried to have their cake and eat it too in that particular premier's office where you could have people out on Twitter mixing it up, uh, saying the things that defend the government that are a little more aggressive, a little more pugnacious. But it's not somebody who reports directly to Jason Kenney that Jason Kenney is going to have to answer for. But and, Katie and so Merrifield was out I there throwing with haymakers that, too. Like there were multiple people throwing haymakers sure. out of the... Uh, yeah, but my point, but again, none of them reported directly to the premier, at least not on an org chart. Like you and I know, yeah, but there obviously, was, my, it's my, a little different. It's a my lot point looser. was that there was there was some real strength there that they could actually grab these people and have them do it. Uh, I'm not sure that exists in every office. No, and that's the, one of the benefits of staff in general. If you don't have it in your electeds, you mm-hmm. just hire it, right? You find it elsewhere. I'm going to close the bracket on this. Carter, we've got timing. You either announce your resignation. Yes, we're back to resignation. Oh, yeah. That's right. Still the same. we started on. You announce your resignations too early or too late. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Too early or too late. Um, This, of course, I should mention. I I know it's obvious at this point. Um, I apologize for not mentioning until the 35-minute mark uh, is brought to us by Flair Airlines. Uh, No. (laughs) Never too early. Always too late. Uh, Carter, are other people guilty of the same thing? Are we getting rid of the right guilty party, which is why we went to this deep dive of like kind of the, the trading chip analogy that I tried to put on around ministers and, and the centralized premiers and prime minister's office. And Corey's point is in the public's eye, external facing, does the punishment fit the crime? Is there anything else you want to add to this list? Well, I, I think that to, to help a successful resignation end a crisis story or an issues management. Cycle. I think that you've that the the you know the way that we're running government right now, and, and I think we've been critical of this and consistently. I don't think we're just speaking hypocritically, but the way we run government with the with all of the responsibility lying in the premier's office uh, or the first minister's office, I'll expand it to include the prime minister. Um, has created real problems for us, and and some of those problems we can see, and some of those problems we we only sense when there's pro when there's when there's difficulties on the horizon, and you know some of the sins that have been committed by um, ministers, you know I can think I I, I didn't want to name drop Cantor in this episode, but I think that you know um, the sins that he's committed, uh, purportedly committed, or or you know ostensibly or whatever words we wish to use were very similar to sins that the prime minister was being accused of. But the punishments, the consequences were different because he was a minister and the prime minister was the prime minister. Um, I think that, you know, to Corey's point, like if you're going to be putting a, a price tag on the certain um, sins of resignation, of losing your job, of moving on, then, you know, we have to apply them relatively much more equitably. Uh, and the prime minister or the first minister, in, in the case of Doug Ford, uh, has to be really careful on asking for resignations because the next one that might be asked for is their own. Corey, anything else to add to the list? I want to loop back to the story in Ontario and, and see how this fits the criteria you guys have laid out in a second. So uh, anything to add? And then let's get back to the specifics of the Greenbelt story and Minister Clark. I think that is probably a pretty good list. I'll be frank. I forgot we were making a list because yeah, we, we went and did some other stuff for a while. But uh, right. so that's why I'm here. Keep it on track. No, this I, is think, what you I think it's a I think it's a solid list and anything else would probably be a variant of one of those four things. This is expert hosting by me, Corey. You don't have to worry. This is why it's stress free okay. for you. Okay. You're the seatbelt and you don't worry safe. about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Corey. Hey Corey, listen. Tell me based on this, you put you put out a phrase earlier that I thought was really interesting. Have they put out more blood in the water with this resignation than not? Can you answer that question for me if we get to the specifics of the Greenbelt Steve Clark resignation? Or do you not know yet? I well, I, I think my gut is they did. 
And that's because the punishment still does not fit the crime and because the premier's office is arguably as guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we just don't know all the facts on that front, but certainly we have the, the reporting from the, the initial you know, investigation here. Uh, reporting the report from the initial investigation. So, you know, it, it remains to be seen. I think it's interesting because, of course, when Steve Clark said he was not going to resign, he yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was really bad. Uh, so I'm going to fix it. I mean, a great day in spin for sure, right? Like this idea of like, I fucked up, so therefore I must clean up my mess is, is pretty incredible. Like that's, you know, not exactly what we think of when we think of ministerial responsibility. Um, but that was the pitch that they tried. Didn't work, right? The heat just kept going up through the week and the reporting continued to be quite aggressive and looking at some of these other angles here. And I'm sure part of why the resignation occurred was people were hoping it will now resolve the story. I don't believe it will, um, but it, I think it might be a little too early to say for sure. Carter, have they put blood I, in the I think water they, or have they resolved this? Is this the beginning I of the I think the phrase blood in the water is exactly the right one, Zane. I think that, you know, th- there's a feeding frenzy going on. They've taken two, you know, a staffer and a minister. And um, this isn't going to end yet. And everything that Ford is trying to do, you know, talking about taking back properties and th- things like that, not, nothing's sticking. Nothing's working. Um, and I'm told, you know, we, I, I'm told that there's an abacus poll coming up that's going to show real consequence. Now, that's an interesting poll. Middle of, you know, middle of the term. No one knows. If, to your point, Zane, uh, about why you were so, so very wrong uh, in your earlier prediction that this wasn't going to haunt Ford. Um, you know, it's not election time and maybe he's able to skate past this, but it's going to feel pretty real. Uh, to voters and and something that's going to paint forward for a long, long time. So I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, you know who else who goes next. Um, this minor cabinet shuffle certainly doesn't feel like it's going to solve anything either. Corey, mea culpa, redo, fuck up, wipe the slate clean. Is that possible for Ford? It's, it's not possible with this alone. And and I guess part mm-hmm. of why I hedge is we just don't know if there's additional actions that are going to come. Perhaps yeah. tomorrow a new housing minister. I can't remember who was shuffled into it, but perhaps tomorrow a new housing Glenn minister taking over, if I'm not mistaken. will say something along the lines of, actually, we are going to take back this land. Now, Man, holy shit, talk about a mess. Talk about lawsuits flying forever. I mean, one of the rocks and hard place challenges that Doug Ford's government has here is reversing these land transfers <laughs> oh. <laughs> or, or looking at what's in there. I mean, yeah. that's good. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's, it's going to be worse than any kind of, it's way worse than any kind of renewable challenges that they had uh, in terms of the lawsuits and the money uncoupling all of that a couple of years back. So, um, but for the public, that might be enough. Now, Will it be enough if all of a sudden then there's lawsuits and it costs hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to the taxpayers still doubt it, but maybe this is part of a bigger suite of actions that we are going to see this week. If then, maybe then the punishment will fit the crime, right? Like, okay. It'll, it'll hit the criteria that we've laid out there. Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll hit the criteria better, right? You know, so we have now changed that calculation from being $8 billion to something else. If an action were taken along those lines... And then perhaps uh, all of the calculations differ. Uh, Carter, over under on 42 and a half minutes, the name Phoenix Kiss getting mentioned. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I can't believe that we haven't brought it up till now. Um, you, 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 you didn't have the over. I did, did not you? have the over. I don't, and did. I don't, I don't really understand did. how anybody with the names Phoenix, Phoenix Kiss gets into a minister's office. Um but, you know, how do you think that happens? No, come on. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, I feel like it's a name. Mr. Kiss, there's, there's, I mean, there's, the story is amazing. I'm just going to let people look at the story how they need like, to research Phoenix yeah. Kiss on your own. Do I'm your not own research, kid. What I am going to do, Steve. Yeah. Right? Your, your own research. Nicely done, guys. You guys put four things on the table. The the criteria for a successful resignation, if it's a good strategy, if it's a good tactic to pull at any given time, now we've got a guide for folks to follow. We're going to move it on to our next segment, our next segment very quickly here, guys. Summer school report cards. That is right. 
it is Labor Day. It is it is the beginning of the school year soon. I know, Corey, you've got three to nine kids, so you know they may have already started school at various times. Um, but Carter, the summertime, yeah. as we know it, is is over. The summer barbecue season, which we celebrated with various episodes regarding the Calgary Stampede and how politicians should get out there, how they should you know learn to uh, associate uh, with with people, do the retail politics, do all that sort of stuff. Well. We now need to do some report carding, and let's do that report carding on the federal stage, Carter. I want to measure three things for our leaders, attendance, effort, and results, and I want you to give them a letter grade for each of our three major political parties, for Jagmeet Singh, for Justin Trudeau, and for Pierre Polyev. So, Carter, let's start with attendance. Give me your scores for Jagmeet, Justin, and Pierre Polyev on attendance for summer school which, of course, we might know as outdoor school or the summer barbecue circuit. How did they do? Did they show up? Were they excited? How do you feel? How do they? Well, do? I think that uh, Justin Trudeau has to get a nine out of ten. He seemed to be everywhere this summer. Uh, he was visible. He, uh, you know, he he put his head into the lion's mouth, whether it was in Calgary or any, you know, a number of other locations. Uh, he he's been possibly, I think, the most visible leader. Um, of the three. So I'm giving him a nine out of 10. I'm not, I mean, I'd give him a 10 out of 10. I just, I, I kind of, you know, reject the idea of a perfect score. Um, normally I just reject the idea of giving a grade at all, but, uh, you know, I'm just being nice to you today. Um, Here we are. This- but, uh, you know, I think that that was a pretty good, pretty good for the, for the prime minister. This, the, the second grade for, uh, Jagmeet Singh, I think has to be an F. I mean, did we even see him out this summer? I mean, I, I, don't recall seeing him at all. I think he was on vacation for the entire time. So I'm giving him an F. Uh, he, he was nowhere. And Pierre Polyev's got to find a better body double because, you know, the person I saw out didn't look at all like him. So um, I give the body double a 7 out of 10. I give Pierre Polyev a fail. Oh, interesting, Carter, going with the body double analogy. Okay, nicely done. Corey, Jigmeet gets an F, Justin gets a 9 out of 10, Pierre gets an F, and the body double gets a 7 out of 10. Uh, Carter, I, it may surprise you, it might be the same person. Corey, give me your take on attendance for our three federal major federal party leaders. Well, let's talk about Singh first. I didn't see a ton of Singh, and normally that would be fine. I live in Calgary, Alberta, right? And my media market is primarily Alberta and then Western Canada. And of course, well, he's a MP from BC. doesn't really mean that that's necessary. Like we're not traveling in the same circles. I'm not reading the newspapers in the places he would be hanging out if he's looking for electoral success is what I would normally say. But recently he did say that he was thinking <laughs> Alberta would be a a breakout market a growth area. Him. Yeah. yeah. He, and he didn't fucking show up here all summer. Right. He signed up for a class he didn't show up for. So his attendance is F. like he, he, he gets a DNC. You can't say this is an important area for you and not show up. Right. There is a big disconnect between actions and rhetoric, actions and strategy, if that's what's going on there. Now, on the Trudeau front. Yeah, he was around everywhere getting separated from his wife, really bumped him into the headlines, too. Master strategy, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, we were talking about Trudeau a lot. We're reacting to Trudeau. To, to Trudeau. Um, but I, I think that he's going to have some weakness in some of these later score areas because despite being around a lot, doing a cabinet shuffle, you know, having these personal issues out there, coming to the stampede, doing those things, doing all of the stuff you expect a prime minister to do, he's less and less popular every week. So I think that's one where we could say, Boy, attendance is about all we can hey, say that's for you question right was. now, Justin. So I'm not going to take away. I'm not going to take away attendance from Justin Trudeau. I don't think that Stevens being particularly fair about Pierre Polyev's attendance, though. Mm. He too was everywhere in my the body. Opinion. Double was everywhere. I saw him all over the place. <laughs> well, okay, what are you trying to say by that? Like, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand. I saw a like, what, what are you trying to say Pierre that Polyev. like it wasn't authentic? No, like, I didn't even it, know like, it was him. What are you trying? What are you trying to get? I at? literally didn't recognize the guy. That is no, the point. It's because it's us. He's trying to introduce himself to people who don't know who he was before he changed those clothes and got those muscles, Carter. I'm just saying. I point. Okay. No, but not only was he everywhere, not only That's was he everywhere, point. 
Jesus Christ. But he also was running ads the whole time. So he True. was making sure that he was really out there. And I sent you guys this just before the show, but David Coletto, Abacus, was teasing that this week there's going there's to be a poll that shows yeah. his net favorability is now positive for the first time. Now, there's a couple of things you could say about that, you know, which we can get into. But the fact of the matter is he is more popular than he's ever been. And in part because he's been absolutely everywhere with this new persona, which I agree, you know, is a bit jarring if you knew his old persona, but most Canadians didn't. So there you go. So I'm also giving him a nine on attendance as well. At some point, I will ask you if this experiment of Pierre, even in the short term, without the electoral results coming in, is successful, what it tells you about the rules of a rebrand, because I do want to discuss those. We have discussed them as he did them, but there has been some notable, quote-unquote, I'm going to put it in quotes, success that he is seeing from it. But Carter, not to waste time on that, I'm going to you again on F. Jagmeet Singh, Justin Trudeau, Pierre Polyev, summer report card on effort. We always say A for effort. Are you going to give everyone an A for effort or not so much? Um, I'm certainly not going to give, I I mean, you know, I I would probably give Jagmeet Singh a a two out of 10 on effort. Um, His effort was not there at all. Uh, Didn't see him, didn't hear from him. I mean, occasionally he got into the media, I think almost by accident. Um, And when did people start saying on accident instead of by accident? Have we covered that? Anyways, um, these are the things that I need to know. Uh, in terms of Pierre Polyev, his effort was great. I mean, I think the steroid regime, regime uh, is going to hurt him in the long run. But uh, and then, no, 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 he, no. you don't think Corey, Corey thinks it won't. Okay, that's Corey what Corey's trying to say. It won't hurt. Steroid regime is that right, hurt him in the long run. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> you know, Justin Trudeau. I mean. I mean, the, the guy gave away his marriage. I mean, that's commitment to, to the country. I'm going to have to give him an A+. plus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Christ. What did I say? <laughs> when, when did you become such a Trudeau stan? I feel like this is, this you is, oscillate this so is much. Effort. This is effort, right? Like his effort and attendance are the areas that he's going to score well in. Efficacy, I sense that he's going to go down. Corey, what are you giving these guys on effort? Jagmeet, Justin, Pierre. I don't give grades for effort. It's results that yeah. matter. Oh. You show up and you get results. Corey, start with results. Here we go. Okay. Do it. Do it. Give it to me. Check me, Justin, Pierre. What are you giving them for results? This is this is the one that matters, right? Everything builds yep. up to, to this one, right? Um, what are you giving them? All right. Well, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. I'll give you all of the scores and then we can talk about them. Maybe even go a little back and forth on them. I don't know. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, Zane, but... I hosted a podcast recently, and I find that uh, a little really had to have the panelists save you. I'm glad. I'm glad they nice. were there with with <laughs> electrifying content. Uh, okay, go Corey Trudeau. His efficacy scores, his results score. He's getting an F. This was a bad summer for him. You know, I mean, I, numbers don't lie. Mm. The numbers were bad for Justin Trudeau, but not just the numbers were bad. He gave himself less range of motion going forward because he took on a couple of actions that he now cannot take on in the future. The primary one being his big cabinet shop, mm. which has created internal discord. We talked mm-hmm, about this, mm-hmm. not an alarming or weird amount of internal discord, but the fact of the matter is don't get to do the big cabinet shuffle again once you've got the heat. And he got nothing for it. So not only did he make his big plays, he got nothing for it and actually went down in the polls. Pierre Polyev, got to give him an A. Love the guy, hate the guy, immaterial. His poll numbers went way up. His personal numbers went way up. He's controlled the agenda. And that's just how it's going to be. He had a really great summer. He had the kind of summer opposition leaders dream of. Jagmeet Singh, you know what? He's somewhere in between, but he's a little closer to Trudeau than he is to Polyev. I'd say I give him a C minus. The only reason why he's not getting an F is I've now started to see, and of course, this is no coincidence. They want you to see, but the NDP are talking about, hey, with Trudeau down in the polls, maybe this is an opportunity where we can get a little bit out of the government. We can leverage our support and we can point to our agreement with them and say, we want you to be more aggressively uh, you know, moving forward on these three things or uh-huh. whatever it is in order to maintain our support. You can't give him too high of a score for that, though, because ultimately it's a little tough to believe that he's going to bring down the government in this particular scenario and hand the government to Pierre Polyev. Uh, you know, so I, I think that he doesn't have as strong of a hand as he thinks. 
but uh, he's at least showing that he might be willing to assert himself in his deal. And the value of this deal always was, as the NDP, you get to yank the liberals' chain. And you haven't seen an awful lot of that, frankly. Like when we first talked about this, Stephen was very negative on the deal. I was more positive on the deal. Uh And I uh said, well, because it allows you to get a bunch of stuff and still control the agenda. They haven't really used it that way. So, and, and so Stephen has seemed more yeah. right than me No, so far. I'm more right than you. But like the green belt thing where Zane will ultimately triumph, I, uh, I think that I'm going to come through in the end yeah, on this one wrong. too. Carter, an F for Trudeau, an A for Pierre, a C- minus for Jagmeet Singh. Where is he wrong? He's wrong on Singh. I mean, Singh, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that indicates that, that Singh is going up. Uh, you know, he, he's failed as well. I mean, I think that the two biggest failures, uh, the two biggest losers in this are um, Justin Trudeau and, and Jagmeet Singh. Um, you know, th- th- that's just the way it is. I mean, Corey's point about the numbers for, for Pierre is exactly right. I mean, Pierre Polyev is the winner. Uh, he did what needed to be done. He's, he's taken a giant step forward. Um, good for him, bad for Canada. Um, but you know, he did what he needed to do. He came out, he's reestablishing himself. He's rebranding himself. Uh, this was the play all along. I think that, you know, when we were watching him in the leadership, uh, lurch as far right as humanly possible, we were, you know, everybody expected him to come back to the, to the center, uh, or come back to likability in some fashion. I didn't think it was possible. Um, it appears that it is possible if you take enough steroids. Um, but that's, it's not, you don't it's think not what's is? going on. Don't, no. This is the this is the individual position of Stephen Carter and not the strategist media. You probably do you know a recording of that at the end for all of the podcast. Crushing them into Covey Cove. But you know, he, like honestly, probably I was have, like, dude, he's like he's like backhanding a ball to Covey Cove. I was like, this guy's definitely on PEDs. That helmet's not <laughs> And here's my point. This is a yeah, uh, very it's the summer of Pierre Polyev. Carter, were you a Sammy Sosa or a Mark McGuire guy back in the day? Who was your, who was your um, guy? Well, the one who had the smallest testicles, obviously. <laughs> hey, hey, Corey, uh, this is a different type of school. Uh, uh, th- these principals and these staff administrators actually have one final column on the back side of the page, uh, which is about um, a different grade of how fucked you are. Um, this is a, a very crass school. Uh you know, Carter's made an interesting uh, – if you follow Carter's logical consistency, which is hard hey. sometimes, but I think I'm going to. He gives Trudeau a 9 out of 10 for attendance. He gives Trudeau high marks for effort, but he agrees with you that he's failed, right? Yeah. All things. He shows up a lot. He works really hard, but he's terrible at what he's doing. He's not hitting the mark. How fucked is Justin Trudeau if you were to give him a letter grade on that? And then let's go through the other leaders for me. Carter, I'm coming back to you. Same question. Yeah, I mean, he's got some pretty significant challenges here. He and his party poll very poorly on the issues that are most important to Canadians. So he's going to have to start resolving some of these things to people's satisfaction. This, of course, like all things in Canada, brings us back to things like housing Mm -hmm. that we need to talk about. But um, it's not totally hopeless here. He's just up against a lot of hard walls here. We talked about the issues thing. The other thing is you're just prime minister for too long and people start to get fatigued with you and start thinking they want to go to the next guy. The reason why he's not totally screwed is the next guy is Pierre Polyev. And while he is selling himself to Canadians in this particular fashion, you know, these, these videos of, of him and, you know, family guy Pierre Polyev and his rebrand where he's killed the glasses and uh-huh, uh-huh. he's trying on this whole new personality. It remains to be seen whether he can actually yeah. maintain it, right? Uh, whether he won't just slip into the Pierre Polyev Carter's who point. we all saw re-brand. before, yeah. right? Like, you know, a, a rebrand is a funny thing. I've said this before in a lot of different contexts. You can sell anything once. Yeah, I can put on an ad making Stephen Carter look like a, a thoughtful, polite young man. He's none of those things. And the reality is when you meet the real Stephen Carter – it's going to, you know, the, the one that I marketed on advertising is not going to hold. And so the same is true probably with Pierre Polyev. He's got to maintain this persona that he is now selling to Canadians forever. And it is not clear to me yet whether he can do that. Because it's pretty easy for me to imagine, for example, a debate during a future election where the Pierre Polyev who is talking over you and hectoring and has that nasally voice is just being a pain in the ass becomes the guy that everybody sees and they're like, well, this is nothing like those ads that I thought I was getting with this fellow. 
with the with the guy with the steroid arms, yeah. right? Um, just so we're clear, same guy. Yeah, with his political enhancing drugs, those PEDs. <laughs> yeah. PEDs, positionless politics. Hey, Carter, this is only a service that the principal and the staff administrators provide to the incumbents. So I want that same answer from you. Uh, it's a Trudeau question. What grade is Trudeau getting on the backside of this report card around how fucked he is? Do you agree with Corey's assessment that it's? Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because on our on our episode when the polls were where he was when we finally saw daylight in the polls, six points, seven points. Then we saw nine points. Then we didn't really discuss it. At, at now we're seeing like double digits, still low double digits, but we're consistently seeing a potentially double digit wide gap. And we're, you guys were saying, listen, October, November, December. If this holds, there's conversations. I want a preview, Carter. What does it say in the report card at the beginning of September? Now that we're seeing these numbers for Justin Trudeau, do you agree with? Yeah, that? I mean, I think that the the report card now is you must perform, you must succeed. You've, you know, you. You've wasted the first, you know, two years of high school, and now you've got the last year, and you got to put your, you know, nose to the grindstone and and see if you can't actually pull yourself out of this uh, situation. And I'm not sure that he can. I think that he, you know, we, we've talked on the pod before about is he taking a walk in the snow of some sort, um, and and having to make the tough decision that maybe he's not the guy who's going to lead. Uh, the Liberals back again. Uh, he was the person who could do it in 2015. He brought them from third place. You know, we he listened to our strategy episode in 2015 and turned it all around. Um, but the strategy episode for him in, in 2023 is, you know, there's a lot of corporate boards looking for your kind of expertise. Um, it's a very different, different strategy episode. <laughs> uh, so I think that he's he's really in trouble. Carter's strategy episode uh, 2023 is just going to be some webinars from the ICD, yeah, that's which is a, nice. You know, there's a deep cut for the ICD.D yeah. fans in the audience. Uh, Corey, you wanted to jump in, finish it off with your comment, then we'll move it to the over-under lightning round. Yeah, I, I mean, you always have to be careful when it's just a couple of months uh, that you don't react to numbers too strongly, right? The question that we need to get an answer to. And this is why we said, hey, we'll have to see in the fall whether he's still in this situation. I think I actually said like January, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. There's some time still here. We don't know yet whether this is climate or weather. We don't know whether this is part of a long-term trend in the temperature that the Liberal Party has and whether people will support it, or this is just because of ill winds that are blowing through town um, around housing that may be ephemeral and go away and, and all of a sudden things will change. So you don't want to react too strongly to these numbers, but you also certainly can't ignore them if you're the PMO. And you've got to be thinking about what in the world are you doing now to seize the advantage here. And in a way that doesn't just look even more scrambling. And it's so funny because you think about when, um, uh, you know, Michael Ignatieff became leader of the Liberal Party, when Stefan Dion became Liberal leader, how the conservatives of the day just pounced on him and defined him ruthlessly, mercilessly. And you think about the relatively free ride that Pierre Polyev has gotten so far. And we've had this conversation. And I don't think that the liberals should have jumped in and started attacking Pierre Polyev on policy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think we said at the time, you've got to define who he is as a person. You've got to talk about the characteristics of him. And they sort of gave up that chance. Like, he's been leader for a while, and there doesn't seem to be anything from the LPC here. So um, what are you doing? What are you doing to recapture that initiative before he really locks in for Canadians who he is? Um, you know, in a way that uh, could cause you some real challenges. I can't think of any reason why they wouldn't do it other than money, right? Like money. just, yeah, money, right? Like yeah. money seems to be to be the main one. Carter, we're going to leave that segment there, moving on to our over, under, and our lightning round. Of course, Carter, uh, Corey said last episode, which you weren't on, that we do this for me. Um, that is indeed only a half truth because we do do yes. it for you, Carter. Uh, we're back Thank to you. our talking points. Hey, Stephen Carter. Will the green belt deal in Ontario remain intact as is, or are we going to see a reversal I, of some sort? <laughs> I take Corey's point. A reversal uh, is, is super difficult to walk through, um, but it, it's happened before, and uh, previous Ontario governments have paid out a small fortune to private corporations uh, for things like gas plant deals. So one imagines that this very well could fall through. Whether or not it should... Um, I'll let Corey answer that question, but I, I think that it, it probably could. Corey, are we going to see one? A reversal of some sort? A walk back of, 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 of some kind on this Greenbelt deal? I, I don't know. 
I definitely don't know. I think we need to see what happens over the next couple of days. But my gut says, yes, we will. Because I don't know how else Doug yeah. Moore gets out of this for all of the reasons we listed earlier in this episode. Well, right? Punishment still does not fit the crime. The timing is wonky. If um, if we don't address this particular matter, there, there are a lot of challenges that uh, Doug Ford has got in front of him here, not least of which is his office's involvement in this particular matter, um, that I just don't think go away. And so at that point, you've got to change the calculus. And I think a reversal is part of that. Will it be full? Will it be part? I think it's more likely to be part than full. But who knows? Well, well Corey, st- sticking with you on this then, you mentioned Doug Ford. Overrated or underrated? Doug Ford's persona, his brand, his personality, whatever you want to call it, his persona as it relates to being able to successfully do a reversal versus other politicians. Overrated? Are we giving him too much credit for this sort of like persona that he has, that Klein-like, oh, fucked up, sort of like straight talk persona or underrated in your mind? What do you think? If, if this reversal is on the table, right, even as a potential option, Doug Ford's brand overrated or underrated as it relates to that? <sighs> Uh, I think he's easier to reverse than some politicians who are a little bit more likely to dig in. But I, I don't know if it's material in this particular case. Like, it's just such a big thing. Any reversal is going to hurt like hell. And maybe a reversal will take the form not of you've got to give the land back, but all of a sudden there's these massive conditions around affordable housing. I don't mm-hmm. know. But like, it, they definitely need to do more to get out of this issue, in my opinion. And uh, reversal seems to be the only obvious step. Carter, the Ford persona, overrated or underrated in this? I think case? overrated. I think that, you know, if, if he was really going to pull mm. off a, a stunning reversal on this, um, the time, you know, again, timing matters. Uh, we mean stunning and politically yeah. successful, like get it you off know, the plate. Boom, sort unbelievable. Of yeah, yeah. You know what? I heard the people. Uh, this was a mistake. These two are gone. And this, I mean, maybe we get that reversal this week. If we get that reversal this week, um, maybe he does get to apologize and live to see another day. Uh, Carter, final question for you. Um, uh, name a better political name than Phoenix Kiss, uh, and it could be made up. I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to make that um, right now. Better name? Stephen Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Corey, uh, uh, Phoenix Kiss, of course, has entered the uh, group chat um, on this episode. Uh, a better political name than than Phoenix Kiss. Um, yeah. Uh, Zane, I'm going to go with Manticore Handjob. <laughs> A legend. A legend. Look him up. Huge in Quebec politics. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1096 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Belgi. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. And we'll see you next time.